we asked several of you uh, several months ago some things you guys would like to hear about on Wednesday nights. We use it a lot of times as a teaching session. You know, we offer the different classes, the financial piece, the grief share. We have breakout sessions. You know, the youth are with their people and the kids are in their classes and we asked what some of the topics were you guys would like to talk about and like to discuss and one of them was future planning and that's why this series is all about planning for the future we've heard about finances we're going to hear about will and estates we have more on that next week next week we're going to actually be talking with a funeral director and I know you might be thinking wow that's depressing but it's biblical to plan these things. It's very biblical. It doesn't matter your age. Uh, in the Bible it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, If the Lord will we will live and do this or that. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And it's, it, the Bible talks about in the multitude of counsel, and that's what we're getting. We're getting counsel, and we're getting uh, advice and knowledge from the knowledgeable. That's what you don't seek counsel for someone who hasn't dealt with this or for someone that doesn't know what they're talking about. So I know our team has worked a long time on these different breakout sessions about bringing the people that know the most about these subjects. And I've heard so, so many great things about the last several weeks. A lot of people have come up and said, I have learned so much about something that you would think you already knew about and come and take notes in the Q&A last week over there. Many of you were in here with Mrs. McDonald, but we do want to invite her to come back again. She's coming back. You guys have submitted questions. She's got them all typed out. She's going to talk about the questions that you all have asked, you all have submitted concerning their future and concerning will and estate planning. And she's going to come up and talk to us. And if you, if time permits at the end, she's got it planned out what she's going to do. She'll let you know if time permits at the end for additional questions tonight, then you can come over and sit by me at the end and I'll have a microphone. But would you welcome Mrs. McDonald tonight? Great lady. It's a lady in our community, very respected and revered great attorney here in Zanesville and she deals with this every single day. We thank you very much for coming to be with us. Good. Thank you, Sister Bounds. We are, I am glad to be here. It's a joy. My um, boys are at my mother-in-law's doing seventh grade math. I think last week was science, so I'm glad to let her give her hand at it. So again, Susan McDonald, glad to be here. We are in Zanesville. I grew up here. I graduated from Tri-Valley High School went over to Muskingum, now University, and then Capital University for law school. And um, I'm a big fan of the school of Dave Ramsey. So I mentioned him last night. I know you folks have heard about him. So we uh, did take that program and enjoyed it and learned a lot from it. So I live um, in Zanesville with my husband, James. His birthday is Saturday. We will be um, 46 years old this next month. And our boys are 12 and 13, and they are a lot of fun. So um, thank you for welcoming me last week and back again this week. Do you know what they call 10,000 attorneys at the bottom of the ocean? A good start. <laughs> so when I started law school, I got 
they didn't have Facebook and all that stuff back then. They, we didn't even have cell phones. But I got all these group emails of jokes, attorney jokes. So that's the only one I remember. <laughs> I was offended. So you don't, everyone likes to make fun of attorneys until you need one. And then, hopefully, you uh, sometimes take their counsel. Okay, so they call us attorneys, counselors, um, esquire, legal counsel. I don't know. I'm just Susan. And um, the funny story is I practice with 12 men and myself. And Mr. Beam, I work at Gottlieb Johnson Beam and Dalpani. So Gottlieb Johnson and Beam are all deceased. Um, but Mr. Beam was my dad's age, and they were buddies. So he was the only attorney that I knew growing up, and we always had to be mannerly and on our best behavior when we saw the beams. And when I was in law school, graduating and dating my love, I went back to him and said, here's my resume, I'm coming back to town next year, and if you hear of any jobs, we, I'm, I'm interested, I'm coming back. And he said, okay, thank you, and that was it. So then the next summer, I finished law school, and you take the bar in July, but you don't get the results till November. So August, September, October, four months, you're on pins and needles wondering if you passed and can pay your student loans. So I interviewed with 11 men, and I had my favorite black suit. I sweat all the way through it. It was like a little um, half circle and me in their conference room, and we interviewed. And I wrote them all handwritten thank you notes, and I heard nothing. Like July, August, September, we got married in October, November, I found out that we had, I had passed the bar exam, and the next day he called me and offered a job, and I said, whew, thank you, Jesus. So I've been there ever since, but the interesting thing is I had gotten married, so my last name was McDonald, and Mr. Beam said, so uh, we're updating our letterhead, we need to know how you're going to be practicing, and I said, well... Susan McDonald, and he goes, well, don't you want to use Montgomery, because you've been Montgomery 28 years, and you've only been McDonald for a month, and um, I said, well, I hope to be McDonald more than 28 years, hopefully 50 and 60 years, so he shook his head and told me that he would never understand women, and then on the door, they put, like, Miss McDonald or Mrs. McDonald, and I just said, Ms. Ms. McDonald. And he's like, well, don't you want to be Mrs. or Miss? And I'm like, no, I just want to be Ms. McDonald. And he shook his head again and said he didn't understand women. So <laughs> rest in peace, Mr. Beam. Um, <laughs> there are still 11 men, and they don't know whether to send me to lunch with the ladies, the support staff, or I never get invited to go to lunch with the men. And that's okay. I don't want to talk about sports or golf. I just I don't care about that stuff. So that's not what you came to hear. So we got a list of questions from the office, and I was glad to go over them this afternoon. So based on last week's conversation, everybody should have a will, a financial power of attorney, a health care power of attorney, and a living will. So everyone says, well, how much does that cost? Of course, you have to pay for those services. So a husband and wife will is $300 in our office. So every office does differently. I've never asked any attorney in town how much they charge for a will, but if you call any attorney of the 12, I'm the only woman, in the office, it'll be $300 for a husband and wife. 
for a single person, it's a $175. A financial power of attorney is $100. And healthcare directives, which would be a living will and a healthcare power of attorney, together are $125. The thing with a healthcare power of attorney is Martha, where's Martha? Martha over here went to Genesis Hospital to the social work, social services department, and they have a nice, really thick booklet that is the same document that I use. Do you have any left with you to hold up, or did you hand them all out tonight? Somebody might have one tonight. That book right there, it's called Choices, and it's put out by the Ohio Palliative Care Association. Palliative care is hospice. It is end of life. So the Ohio Palliative Care went in conjunction with the State Bar Association, the Medical um, Association, and all the ancillary health care associations to create that booklet. So I think there's a small fee, or they kind of hoard their copies at the hospital. They used to give them out really freely, and I think just over the years, everything has gone online. So if you go to the Ohio Palliative Care website, you can get that document, and that's what we use. So we get that document. It is a fillable PDF, and we type in all the information, we print it out, we have you sign three copies, and then you're finished. So you can do that for free, or you can come to our office and we'll do it for you. When you come to our office, there are forms that she put on the website that I have you fill out. And nowadays, I can email it to you prior if you have email and if that's something you're interested in doing, and that gives you a thought process to kind of get your conversation going with your spouse or your family to think about what you need to bring in. So on your last will and testament, you're going to need your legal name, your date of birth, your address, your county. All this is easy. You know all this stuff right now. What the first question is, is who's going to be your executor? So who do you trust to wrap up your affairs? That is usually the same person as your financial power of attorney. It's usually your spouse or a responsible child or your parent, depending on your stage in life. Then you need an alternate executor if that executor doesn't work out. Maybe that executor would predecease you or be out of town or just not mentally competent or just wish not to do it. The full legal name of your spouse, the full legal name of your children, and their dates of birth. See how easy this is? You've got all this stuff in your mind right now. When I started having children, I, my peers were having children as well, and a common question was, what if we both die at the same time and our children are still minors? Then you have the granny grab, where both sets of grandparents want to grab your children. So you don't want that. So you need to name a guardian for your children. That's who physically takes care of them in their home and gets them to school and to their doctor appointments and clothes them. Then you need to name a trustee. So a trustee is who cares for the monies that are left or collected for the children. So you may have life insurance, you may have other savings that would go for the benefit of the children, or the children would receive a social security benefit from you and your spouse's working years. So that's usually the same person. Oftentimes it is your sibling. Oftentimes, it's your best friend, it's somebody at your church, it's a grandparent. 
those are common folks that are guardian and trustee. When you wouldn't possibly have the same person if you're divorced or you are not with your child's other parent. So if you pass away, you, your, their father or mother get first dibs at the children if they're fit. And then you don't necessarily want them to also have access to your monies for their benefit. So you might keep your ex might have the children, but then you want somebody in your family to manage the monies for those children. Then another thing to think about is when your children turn 18, if you are gone, they're probably not in a position to take accounting for all of the money that they may inherit. So you don't give up. 18-year-old full, their full trust fund when they turn 18 because they're probably not going to make great decisions. So some people say 21, some people say 25, some people say 30, some people choose, a lot of people choose like half at 25, half at 30, or half at 25, half at 35. Think back at being um, 21 years old, what would you do with a large sum of money? So your trustee can pay for their college, help them get their first car, their first home. They're allowed to do all that stuff with them, but you don't necessarily want to give a blank check to such a young person. And then special bequests. Special bequests would mean your stuff. Like, so if you want to give a percent of money to your church, your animal shelter, your fire department, your cemetery association, those are things that you would list in your will or you would write them as an amendment to your will, which is called a codicil. You could say um, a lot of common ones would be my wedding set to my oldest granddaughter, my guns to my oldest son, my cedar chest to my daughter, things like that. Even real estate, um, I represent a lot of farmers and they'll say, this farm to this child and this land or real estate to this child and they'll divide up their real estate. So specific bequests can be put in your will and now with computers you just save that stuff and if things change and life change changes you can just update that so very easily. So the process when coming into our office, how I do is you would call my staff, get an appointment, come in and see me. I would talk to you on the phone, email you out this form that's on the website. If you don't have email or you're not comfortable, we'll just do it in the office. Then um, in three weeks, I would have you come back to sign all those documents and that's when payment would be made. And I never, never, never let payment get in the way because my goal is to get these documents finished and if you pay a dollar a week, I don't care. I do not care. My goal is to get these documents finished for the security and safety of your family. What makes my will or power of attorney legal? So if you're doing these documents, there are certain things in Ohio law that you are required to do. So a will does not need notarized. That sounds unique, but a will must be handwritten or typed, it doesn't matter, but it must be witnessed at the end of the document by two disinterested parties. Who knew? So it has to be two people that are not listed in the will or not related, like a, even an in-law. So usually it's the attorney and their support staff. Or if I take something to a nursing home or a hospital, it would be myself and then I would just grab one of the nurses and she would witness it.
what makes, um, oh, does a will or a power of attorney have to be filed somewhere? The answer is no. I like to keep the original will in our office. We have a fireproof will safe. It's full of gobs of wills, and we are very meticulous and organized, and we have to be, and I trust that system. What I don't trust is if there is a family dynamic that the original will would be lost or misplaced or destroyed or there are there's infighting among the kids and then mom or dad's will comes up missing. That's what I don't want to happen. And sometimes it's not even ill will. It is if they moved or they've gotten dementia or they have a house fire, any reason that that will has been misplaced. We have had adult children come in and say, hey, dad passed away. He kind of, you know, he was a loner. He lived in an apartment by himself. We've cleaned out the apartment. We didn't find the will. We don't know if dad has a will. So then um, we literally used to call all the law offices in town, which was pretty time consuming. Now we just have one group email of the whole bar association that we just send out an email and ask if anybody has the original will. So that has become a lot easier. We have about 100 attorneys in town. I would say 25 of us do probate and estate planning. Maybe 30 attorneys do domestic custody. Um, some do title search. The, we're the largest firm in town with 12 attorneys. The prosecutor's office is pretty big. I mean, it's a state government office, but there's Mike Haddix is the head prosecutor. I think there's four criminal prosecutors and four civil prosecutors. So there's an office of nine attorneys. Graham and Graham is across the street from us. They have about 10 or so attorneys, I would say. Um, some of the bigger firms in town would be Kincaid, Taylor and Geyer, Michelle e. Baldwin and Northrop is up on North Point up by the Social Security office, Stubbins, Watson and Bryan. And then after that, you get down to like one or two solo practitioners that even share an office or just practice solely by themselves. Had I come out of law school and been by myself, I would have been absolutely petrified. I have learned so much from the other people in my office and the other staff and paralegals. It is completely less daunting now as I've practiced for some time. I don't know how solo practitioners do it. You've got to be missing something, like you're busy like making copies and fixing the coffee machine and answering a phone call. And I would I commend them for trying and doing a good job. So you can file a will in probate court. You can pre-probate your will. That is very, very, very uncommon. I have never done it. I know that it can be done. But if you prepare a will and you're just certain that yours is going to be lost or destroyed or that your children are going to fight over something, then you can pre-probate it. So you can turn it in and the judge can ask your heirs, here it is, do you um, contest it or not? And then you can kind of have that fight or argument during your life. And it's harder for children to fuss and disrespect their parents than it is once those parents are gone and then the siblings can have at it. So that is an option that you can do. Um, a financial power of attorney, you do not have to file it anywhere. 
um, when I file those documents, I keep a copy of everything that's signed, so in case it gets destroyed, I've got a set of them. And then you get two copies. So you can keep two copies. You can give a copy to your spouse. You can give a copy to your trusted child or your best friend or whoever you want to. A f does it just have to be notarized? So a will is not ever notarized. A financial power of attorney and healthcare directives are notarized. So to be a notary with a really expensive law degree came a free notary for life. So I, all attorneys are notaries and all, um, like all the staff in our office um, have their notary and that gets renewed every three years. You'll find notaries at banks, insurance offices, and attorney offices, and a lot of people, like the fiscal officers of your township, um, somebody at a grocery store that works in the um, office part of the grocery store, a lot of notaries you'll see advertised to do that. Like we live near Adamsville, and I know that at the little grocery store, the guy that owns that, he's a notary. There's three or four notaries in town or in the village of Adamsville. Is there a time to wait before the will or power of attorney take effect? No, there's no time to have to wait before it takes effect. Does your spouse automatically have power of attorney? Nope, not at all. So when you have power of attorney, that is someone to handle your finances or your health care in your stead. So your spouse wouldn't automatically get that job without you doing a financial power of attorney or a health care power of attorney. What often happens is you and your spouse might have joint bank accounts. So, for example, my husband and I have a joint checking account, so he can write checks or cash checks, and I can on the same bank account. We can pay bills, I can sign the check, he can sign the check. So that feels like he has my power of attorney, but he doesn't. So he couldn't sell my car without power of attorney, he couldn't renew my car insurance without financial power of attorney, um, another thing that you have to have power of attorney is for real estate. So if you are going to sell someone's house, say your mom is in a nursing home and she needs to sell her house, um, you, and she can't do it, like she has a stroke and can't use her arm, you would have to be her power of attorney to be able to sell the house and sign the deed for her. Is my executor held by law to make sure my wishes are followed? Yes, the Ohio um, court system has a probate court in every county, and the probate court is the executor or the guardian over all estates in Muskingum County. So our Muskingum County probate court, the judge is Eric Martin. He is in the courthouse on the first floor. Sharon Boggs is his clerk. She's been there 30-some years. She knows everything about probate. When she retires, we'll really be in a pickle. And then they control all the estates, the trust, the guardianships, the adoptions, and the name changes for the county, Muskingum County. So they, we have different forms that we have to file to make sure that everything is followed by the letter. Can I have more than one executor? Yes, you can have more than one executor. I prefer to work with just one executor because it's convenient. Two executors are about the max that I want to see 
and I really, really hope that those two people get along. Um, it's just inconvenient. Usually your executor, you pick the oldest child or the most responsible child or the child that lives nearby or the child that has the most free time on their hands. Um, for a health care power of attorney or living will, you might pick a child that is in the medical profession. My husband has a brother who's a pharmacist, so he does all the health care decisions in medicine and appointments for my in-laws. That's perfect. And then my husband mows her grass, and I do all the billing and banking and attorney stuff, and I trim toenails. So if anybody needs their toenails trimmed, you call me. That's just what daughters do, I think, and daughters-in-law. I don't think my husband would ever trim his mom's toenails. So yes, you can have as many executors as you want. I have a, had a lady um, pass away last week, and she has four children, and they are all four executors, and they all four get along beautifully, and she and they worked hard together to make sure that her mom's estate was really organized and well done. So that is not a problem. Another thing that we do is we work with executors all over the country. So the world is um, big and uh, kids move and you can have executors anywhere. And with email and overnight mail, it is so simple to send documents away, have them signed and returned. So that is not nearly a concern at all. Another question is, how often do you need to update your will? Well, there's that TV commercial from the insurance company that life comes at you fast. So you can review your documents when you have life changes. So when you become adult, you need to get a will. When you get married, you can add your spouse. When you have children, you need to add your guardian and your trustee. A lot of people name their spouse or they name their parents when they're younger. And then as their parents age out and as their children become adults that are older and wiser and pretty competent, sometimes that just that paradigm shifts and the parents age out and the adult children and even grandchildren come on to the will, financial power of attorney, and health care directives. Can I use an online source? Sure you can. It is your own choice. Last week I mentioned, though, if I changed my own breaks and you did your own will, we would have something in common. We would neither one know if we did it right until it's too late. So yes, you are welcome to use um, LegalZoom and online services, but for 150 bucks, I probably would have someone in the field make sure it's done properly, and there's a lot of things. I've seen some wills that are homemade or done online that are perfectly fine, and I've seen some that are not. So it just depends on the risk that you're willing to take. One thing that our probate paralegal says, so, okay, so there's like a 12 attorneys in the office, and then there are different paralegals. So they're like a mid, like a mid um, educated staff member. We have one for probate, one for bankruptcy, and one for real estate. So they have more training than a legal secretary. So our probate paralegal, Mary Sims, has been there 
longer than I have, and she wants to retire here in a couple years, and I'm petrified because she has all the institutional knowledge, and she's taught me all that I know. And she has said over the years, 20-some years that she's worked at our office, that probate or estate um, and within families is becoming more and more and more like domestic work. And that's true because families are different, um, families are blended, um, I don't know, it's just a different society that we live in. So that is a reason that you want to have your estate plan be tight and well done. Another thing I didn't talk about last week is that we're focusing a lot on wills, but if you do a good job and your attorney is worth their weight, you don't really need a probate estate. So if everything that you have already has a beneficiary attached to it, then you don't even really need to put anything through probate. I would have a will to tie up loose ends, but I love when a woman, this lady that died last week and her four daughters came in on Monday, she didn't have a probate estate because her real estate was TOD, transfer on death to her children. Her bank accounts were joint with two children. Her life insurance policy was in her husband's name, and then her four children were the succeeding beneficiaries or the secondary beneficiaries. So her husband had died 20 years ago, so it didn't go to him. It went to the four children, but first it went to the funeral home to pay her funeral. She had gone to Vincent Orr and pre-planned her funeral. She already had her hymns picked out. She had the music picked out. Her daughter played the flute. Her grandson sang a song. She had all those things picked out. So she did not have a car anymore. She had quit driving. So there was nothing that she owned that did not already have a beneficiary attached. So all of her things on this earth went to the next of kin, four kids, and it's finished. It's that simple. So in that case, we would take her will that she prepared and file it with the probate court, 30 bucks. It stays there and lives there happily ever after, and they're finished. And that did not cost them very, very much money at all. So that is perfect. So if your attorney works with you to get all those things done, you um, are in good hands. When I mentioned the transfer on death for your real estate, you can also do transfer on death with your vehicles. There is a Bureau of Motor Vehicles form, and you can go to the BMV website, or I have a stack in my office, or the BMV, um, the title office on 5th Street has them, and it's a TOD form for your vehicles. So I recommend your, you and your spouse buying vehicles together, then TOD, transfer on death, to your children, grandchildren, whoever you want to have your vehicle. To do that TOD form is $16. Woohoo, that's a good investment. That's a stitch in time that saves nine that your vehicle would not have to go through probate. I did not mention trust last week. A lot of people um, ask about trust and wonder why they're, you know, who needs a trust. The people that I recommend needing a trust would be people that have an estate over $5.4 million, 
I know it's close, but um, that is when federal estate tax kicks in. It used to be in Ohio 333000 If you owned over 333000 you would pay state of Ohio estate tax. Well, John Kasich used to be our governor before um, the current governor, and he did away with that. So right now, you would not pay any death tax or any estate tax until you have more than $5.4 million. So if that's any one of you, you need to run quick. Just kidding. So the reason that you would need a trust is if you had that large of an estate, if you had a blended family of his kids and her kids, or if you had a child that had special needs, or a child that was not going to manage their money well. So that might be a child that um, is bipolar, has a drug um, addiction, or some reason that they are going to blow through their money. So in that case, you could have a trust. If you had a special needs child, it's called a special needs trust. And um, if you want to just, like a blended family trust would just be a revocable trust stating that all the assets from the first spouse's death freeze, and then when the second spouse passes, their half freezes, and then the, it gets distributed to his kids and her kids. So that is one way to make sure that the second spouse doesn't remarry and go to Vegas and get a girlfriend and do all those things and leave the first spouse's kids out in the dust. So we are at our time. Do you folks have any other questions? I want you to feel comfortable to call or email and say, hey, I saw you at Anchor Church. This might be a silly question, but whatever. So Susan McDonald, you can Google it or look in the phone book. I think we still have a phone book presence. Um, so when you talk about things when you're getting together for the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Talk to your family whether you want to be cremated or not. Do you have your headstone picked out? Who would your pallbearers be? Do you have a guardian for your children if they're minors? Do you have a trustee for your children if they're minors? Do you want to have a calling hours? Do you want to have a service? Do you want to have a celebration of life? Do you want it to be at the time of your death? Do you want it to be two weeks later? Things like that. Another thing you want to tell your kiddos is where your stuff's going to be held. A lot of people may have these finished, but there's a lot of clients that I have that I don't, I don't ever meet their children or their children are out of town. So you need to say, hey, your mom and I have our estate planning finished, here is a copy of it, or if you don't want to give them a copy of it, here's their, the attorney's card and let them know. And sometimes I've had um, adult children come in for the holidays or in to visit and the parents will bring the child or by the office to introduce them to me and that is really, really nice. Just to put a face and a name and usually that child, you know, would get my email and we could be able to communicate back and forth. So, um, this is another joke that is funny, but not funny. 
To my loyal estate planning attorney, I leave my children a complicated series of trust that will generate huge legal fees. So that is true. If you do nothing, you are more than likely going to have a full administration and then that attorney can generate fees from that based on the formula that the court puts out. But if you do a nice job and plan and be considerate and organized, you are giving peace to your family, peace to yourself, and it'll be easy peasy and not that big a deal. So with that, I am finished with my questions, and I'm bringing out of time. What um, else is on your mind? Sister Bounds, do you have anything? There is a form that I had sent emailed over to the office, and this is the very, very most basic form that I have created over the years to make sure that we get information that we need when we meet with attorneys or meet with our clients for the very first time. And I think that they're going to hand out the forms and have you guys start on them. I think it's your call to action. The Sister Bounds knows what we're talking about. Thank you so much. Let's give her a hand. It really is, um, you know, in our, in working with you all and so many wonderful people, it's amazing how many of these things that do seem so simple are, it's a mess when crisis happens. Whether whether um, it is something totally unforeseen, you know, a tragedy of someone young, or even the older, you, you know, you're expecting it more when you're getting up there in years, and still, yeah, even with the older ones, if it's not planned, oh, the, the meetings and the counseling and the, you know, just trying to help families through it, it's amazing just the action, the gift you can give your family by doing this, the gift you can give them by, by doing this ahead of time to save from all the heartache later. So our ushers have these, I believe, and or are getting them. And so this is the last will and testament information. We wanted to make it as easy as possible for you because last year a lot of you all asked for information about this. She gave us the information and everyone was like, this is awesome, this is awesome. we're going to go out and do it. And then when we polled several people a year later, they said, we, we haven't done it yet. We're going to. And that's the common story we get a lot. We're, we're going to. We, we've been meaning to. And, and like the scripture I read, we're not promised tomorrow. So we're not trying to be depressing but we're trying to be biblical, and uh, the Bible tells us to make plans. And so that's what we want to help you do. It just is a load off it, it, to know that, hey, I've got that done. That's taken care of. It's all, it's all organized, just like she talked about. So we're going to put these. They're passing them out. Put them right in your hands tonight to where you have it. And you, this is the stuff you want to take and just go by, make an appointment, like she said. I love what you said about the breaks. <laughs> I can do this, but I'm not sure that I'll be doing it the right way. It's a small fee to save up for to just get the, even the minimum done and filed away um, to know that it's done and it's taken care of. 
And so they're putting, they're passing these out as I'm speaking. You can fill these out. And this is the one that just cost $150. Just $150 to file this and to let someone know. And that is one thing. I was glad you mentioned that. Um, so my mom and dad could say, hey, I've done this, this, and this, but maybe they have their things. If they don't tell me what attorney's office that they've met with or they don't tell me where they've hidden certain things or where their bank account, if I don't know those things, if something happens, then, I, then it's another bind. So communicate, communicate. Make sure someone or some, a couple of someones knows about your stuff, where it's at, who you've planned with, just so they'll know if the time comes. It may it so, hey, when tragedy strikes and death strikes, it's, um, it's, a, it's heavy, right? It's a lot to deal with. It's so much easier if you have this taken care of and you're not worrying about all of these things. So is everyone, have you all still, did everyone get one? Did you get one? Is there anyone that didn't get one that still needs one? We wanted to make copies just so that everyone has this, make it as easy as possible. Is there any, are there any questions tonight? Anybody wanted to come up and ask? Come on, Sister Teresa has a question, and we want to, um, you know what, let's, can you take a mic to the people that have questions, and that way she can hold the mic and answer it. We want you, if you have questions, you can, uh, we're going to make it so that you can ask. And like she said, if you don't want to ask them tonight, but you do have them, you can email them to her. home is already paid off and you have a clear deed to your home, how do you um, put on there, the, how do you add the TOD? So a TOD is called a transfer on death affidavit. Any attorney or title office can prepare that. We have a wonderful recorder's office and our county recorders is well funded. So now you could go to the Muskegon County recorder's office, type in Susan McDonald, pull up any real estate that I own, click on the volume and page and it prints the document. It is so easy. It is, um, it makes us lazy. So we don't have to walk over to the courthouse and get your deed. It's all online. So I would take my deed and then I would create an affidavit that is a specific form and it would say James and Susan McDonald TOD transfer on death to Jack and Eli, my children or whoever I want to at that time. And then you would file that, record that affidavit with the Game County Recorder's Office. It's that simple. So we have a real estate paralegal lady, and her 100% job is real estate for 12 attorneys. Another thing about that deed is you may have heard of survivorship. So that is awesome. Survivorship, um, so right now our deed is James and Susan McDonald joint with right of survivor. So when I croak, which croak is a legal term, um, he would get the property free and clear outside of probate. If it does not say joint with right of survival, then my half of the equity in that real estate, paid off or not, has to go through probate. So that is so silly to do 
And in the mid-1990s is when the survivorship law went into effect. So if you bought your home before the mid-90s, it is not in survivorship. It could not have been. So a lot of older couples that have been married in the same home for years do not have survivorship deeds. So I would do survivorship with your husband and wife, then TOD, transfer on death, to your children is the most common one. Yes, sir. Uh, there were a few people that asked <clears throat> about this form tonight, what they should do with the form. So and, this is um, just my form. It's just a Word document. So this is nothing. This is not your will. This is the fill-in, get-thinking part of a will. So you would take this information. This is what you need for creating a will. So then you would take this will to your attorney and say, here's all the information. My husband and I have talked about it. This is like to get you thinking. So this does not make a will. So you take that to the attorney's office. They say, wow, this is really organized. You've thought a lot about this. And then they can draft the will from then, and then you would need to sign it in front of two disinterested parties and um, keep the original with you or at the law office or, or file it with probate court. So if you are married and you have absolutely nothing in place, your real estate and your property is in both you and your spouse's names, your bank account and your vehicles are in each other, you know, in both names, one of you's pass, does it automatically go to the surviving one, or do you have to start the process for power of attorney? How does that? Great question. So your financial power of attorney and your health care directives cease upon your death. So your last breath, those three documents are worthless. Then your will is only coming into effect once you're deceased. So Ohio law, there is test date, which means with a will or intestate which means without a will so if you die testate with a will it follows the will if you die without a will or you die intestate then Ohio has laws of consanguinity which is a really big word that means it goes up your family tree so if you die without a will everything goes to your spouse if your spouse has predeceased you everything goes to your children if you don't have any living children, it goes to your grandchildren. If you never had any children and you don't have a spouse, it would go then up. So then it would go up to your parents. If your parents are gone, it would go to your aunts and uncles. If your aunts and uncles are gone, it would go to your first cousins. So it's a big family tree and that costs money. So that's annoying and not necessary. So you, in your will, would say, this is my executor, he or she serves without bond. Serving without bond means that you are trusting that person and they don't have to be insured or bonded to do your estate work. If you don't have a will and your sister or your best friend or your church family, your neighbor, whoever, is your executor, and you don't have a document that says serving without bond, then they have to be insured based on the balance of your estate. So if your estate is worth 300000 they have to be insured 
or bonded to be safe or trustworthy to manage $300,000 worth of money. So it's so simple to do a will um, that it's just silly to not have it done. But like you said, if, you, if your real estate goes to your spouse, your vehicle goes to your spouse, your bank account goes to your spouse, you may get by without a will, but like with the breaks, you kind of don't know that till the very, very end. One, um, you could have some mineral rights in West Virginia. You could have an old junk car out back that you don't have the title to. You might have a camper, you might have an ATV. Like there's always some little <coughs> minuscule thing that just causes a pain in the neck for you, for your heirs, and the attorney's office. It's like, oh, if they just had a will, we would know what to do with it. The another thing that I see often is, especially with men, is they have an extra child, an older child that is estranged. You have to find them. What a pain. So if you have a will that says, I give everything to children A, B, and C, then that's it. But if there's a child D out there that's estranged and no one's heard of from them for a long, long time and they're living out of state or they're living under a bridge or you just don't even know, you have to go find that person or they can't get consent. And if you can't find that person, you have to serve notice in a publication, which is the Zanesville Times Recorder. You see those little legal notices, the long paragraph, really tiny font that are really boring? That's a legal notice that costs a lot of money that was silly and unnecessary. So if you can prevent that by having a will, that brings tears of joy to my eyes. I was gonna ask one thing um, that we've seen and or just make a comment, like if you own things and you don't have them in both of your names, so maybe your husband bought his house before you were married, or maybe he bought his truck in his name, or I bought my van in my name, even though we, we, we own them, but if I put this, this is in my name, this is in your name, da 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 and I pass away and the van's in my name, although he's my spouse, then that has to go through probate court, is that or he has to pay for that maybe if it's not in his name. How does that work? So your spouse gets up to $65,000 of vehicles from the deceased spouse. So if she passed away with a van, the van was worth $30,000, Aaron can take the death certificate, walk into the title office, and get it. That's great when it's just a husband and wife. But when she's gone, and then now Aaron owns a truck and a minivan, and maybe another truck or a camper, then he dies. His kids don't just get that. That's when that TOD, transfer on death affidavit, comes into effect for vehicles. So then those three or two or whatever vehicles would have to go through probate if he didn't have the transfer on death affidavit. Or if he had just purchased a new vehicle and the vehicle was, I don't know, $70,000 or had a couple vehicles that totaled more than $65,000 and then he passed away, Sister Bounds couldn't just go to the title office and get both of those. It would have to go through probate. So the spouse gets up to $65,000 worth of vehicles 
outside of probate, but nothing more, and nobody else can. So if you are single and you own a vehicle, please, please, please have a will or TOD, transfer on death to whomever you want it to go to. You cannot do a transfer on death affidavit if you still owe money on that vehicle. So that is often a factor that kind of catches you. You think, oh, shoot, I still owe two years on that vehicle. So when you pay it off, run fast to the title office on 5th Street and get an affidavit filled out. For vehicles or for estate planning? So a title office is statewide. I can go to the Guernsey County Title Office. I can go to the Morgan County Title Office. I can go to the Muskingum County Title Office for any of my title needs. So that particular instance doesn't matter as long as it's in the state of Ohio. For real estate, the transfer on death affidavit has to be recorded in the county where the property is located. That is um, common. A lot of people own oil and gas rights in West Virginia. I don't know why, but it, I don't know. Maybe people migrated here from West Virginia. <laughs> and it's been passed down through the generations, and it's like your great-grandma's 164th interest in a well that gives you $3.47 a month or a year. Oh, my goodness. Do you know how much effort that takes to hunt that deed down I can't practice law in West Virginia. You have to find the operator of that well. You have to get information from the person's estate, give it to the operator, get the name changed. Come on. Just have a TOD affidavit that, that says when I pass, it goes wherever. Another thing I see a lot is folks having a second home or retirement in Florida or Arizona. Do not, I say, do not own property in another state when you die. Please. <laughs> Please do not. Because you have to open an ancillary estate in that state. You have to open up an estate in Florida and Ohio. That is so expensive and so unnecessary and so silly. So you can do transfer on death affidavit to your Florida property or, you know, hey, why not just rent? Why not just <laughs> put it in your kids' names? Do anything but die with real estate outside of the state in your name. Or don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> One last question I think we're going to end. If, if a couple owns, let's say, uh, you know, middle or older age couple, they own their home, it's paid for, and they're in an accident together. So they're, they're deceased. So one doesn't get the, the other, but they're in each other's name. Does that then, if it's over a certain amount, does that then automatically that would go to the children? Or does that have to be willed? Or does that go to probate? So if you have a piece of real estate in husband and wife's name, both spouses die at the same time, that if it has a transfer on death affidavit, it then goes on to the children or whomever they've named. If they do not have that, it goes through probate through their will. So please have a will for that purpose. It would cost money. The most expensive estate, there's three levels of probate. The most expensive level kicks in at 100,000. So most homes are worth over 100,000. So if your home has to go through probate, 
you're basically in that highest level of probate that you have to file a full administration and that is where that magic formula kicks in that attorneys can charge based on a percent of your estate and that is I like it because it gets a good pay for me but I hate it and it's very un it's awkward for the family and the attorney can adjust it and give a courtesy discount but it's um, basically 4% of your estate that you would pay to the attorney plus cost. I mean, it's just not necessary. It could have been done with a $150 deed. I had a husband and wife in Morgan County. I will keep them in my mind the rest of my days. It was a husband and wife that had um, one daughter and they were rearing three young adults that were mentally deficient, that were not theirs. They were hit head-on by a man that went left of center during his work day in a work truck, and they were both killed instantly. So the daughter inherited their wrongful death claim, and those three children that were like their children and needed and relied on them for their daily care got nothing. Come on, they could have had a will that would have said it gets divided four ways between our biological child and these three other children, and they would have gotten quite a bit of money for the wrongful death of this couple. And as I've gotten to know the daughter and talked to the places where they worked, everyone said in the community that they were like the loveliest salt of the earth, kind, give your shirt give their shirt off your back people ever and they took these three children in that did not benefit so I think of them a lot okay see the all those little questions the little things you don't think of you know like would this and we think it would automatically happen but we've dealt with that a lot where it doesn't it costs a lot of money for what could have automatically happened if it would have been pre-planned. So it's a lot of great information. Thank you again, Mrs. McDonald, Ms. McDonald. Thank you for coming. And we have it, we'll have it recorded. You can go back and listen to it. And God bless you. And if you guys need to email her questions, like you said, um, like she said, feel free to do that. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.